Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to Life on the Wrist. Hope you guys are doing well today. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of themes that have come out of the Philips Geneva Watch auction. Um, this is an auction that's going to be taking place on the 5th and 7th of November, so in a couple of weeks. There are some really interesting watches that are going to be listed, and I wanted to talk about a couple of them and some sort of overall themes that come out of there. So we're going to cover everything from Rolex, uh, modern Rolex to historical Rolex and... Um, also to speak about Vacheron Constantin and a very, very cool watch that, that speaks to me incredibly. Um, uh, that um, is going to be auctioned at this at, 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 on the 5th and 7th of, of November. So um, bear with me while I sort of go through some of the, the lots, but I think there's going to be major themes that I want to talk about, and obviously I'll, I'll, um, I'll sort of hit on those as we go through this podcast. There will be links in the show notes to the Geneva Watch Auction and the listings that I discuss and any other articles that may come up, come up during this podcast. If you are new to Life on the Wrist, we are a, um, we are a, uh, I, I run a, a website where we just talk everything about watches, mainly in the vintage side of things, but we do cover topics in the, the modern uh, watch world as well. Um, so if you like that type of content, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can check out our website where we have more um, content um, for you. Um, you can um, follow along some of our articles. We For every article we write, we have a corresponding YouTube video. So if you want to get some content through that means, you can go and head over to our website. So like I said, this is a, the Geneva, Geneva watch, watch Auction number 14 is taking place. Philips is going to be hosting this in Geneva from 5th, to the 5th and the 7th of November. And there's a range of watches that are going to be auctioned off, everything from modern to vintage. Um, and what I wanted to talk about is a couple themes. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is I think it, the <laughs> lot number one and two are pretty incredible watches that are pretty incredible watches, a pretty incredible story for the last year. So if you don't know, Rolex released a set of Oyster Perpetuals this year as a reference 124300. And one of the things that they did was they played around with dial colors. So a lot of collectors were really interested in these watches because they were um, fairly fun, fairly affordable for for stainless steel Rolex. Um, you had colors, everything from like an orange to a mustard yellow. There was a Tiffany blue dial version of, of this Oyster Perpetual that was really, um, really attractive to many collectors. And um, it became obvious that a lot of people were going to want to get their hands on these watches. Unfortunately, that meant that the secondhand market or the gray market kind of went crazy on the prices of these Oyster Perpetuals. Um, an Oyster Perpetual doesn't typically go for 20,000 US dollars. But um, there were some that were listed at that price because of the uh, low supply of these watches and the extreme demand um, that these watches really attracted for, for, um, for collectors. So this was the story of the, the last year where, um, where it, people really went mad for these watches and it was so difficult to get your hands on them. In this auction, I found three Oyster Perpetuals, uh, one with an orange dial, one with a uh, uh, mustard dial, and one with a Tiffany blue dial that are going to be auctioned off. They are estimated to go between 4,000 and 7,000 Swiss francs, it's, um, and I just think it's really strange. Um, it's so impossible for people to actually get their hands on these watches. People are still on wait lists trying to get their hands on these Oyster Perpetuals, and then you see some of these come up at auction. What's unfortunate is 
to me, this feels sort of like a quick flip for whoever actually got their hands on these watches, and they expect to make fairly good money off of the watch that they purchased and now are reselling. It's kind of sad when you think about all the collectors who are on wait lists to try and get a hold of these um, these Orsa Perpetuals, and uh, there are people who purchased them and, and sort of had the intention of selling them at auction. Um, this was really the first thing I wanted to talk about because lot number one and lot number two are are both the Oyster Perpetuals, which I think is kind of sad, um, starting off the auction with sort of a money grab for whoever whoever owns these. Now, this is complete. I, I am making the assumption that someone bought these to sell at auction. Um, I may be completely wrong. If I am, then so be it. But I do think it sort of has, this has a greater conversation to it. I think watches have sort of become commodities and people are so interested in making a quick a quick bit of money instead of collecting watches for for the right purposes. I did a video and an article where I spoke about how watch collectors are sort of buying watches because they're a status symbol, they cost a lot of money and it will tell people something about you versus getting into watches for sort of the mechanics and the history of these pieces which is fine, everyone has their own sort of collecting style, but it's an unfortunate occurrence for me because um, I really, I got into watches because I was really interested in the watchmaking and the history of watches, and that's what I sort of wanted Life on the Wrist to be. Um, and uh, that was sort of the goal of, of what Life on the Wrist was, but then you get, you see these sort of situations where Oyster Perpetuals are selling at auction when they're, um, there are people who are still on wait list to try and get them. It's it's kind of unfortunate. But not everything is uh, a sad occurrence at this auction. Philips obviously has a range of watches in their, in their lots. Um, lot number 248, uh, we're gonna stick on sort of the Rolex theme here and talk about an extraordinary uh, Rolex Deep Sea special model that is going to be auctioned off. Uh, lot number uh, 248 is, is the lot for this watch and this is one of the watches that Rolex produced when they were pressing the, um, when they were sort of um, attempting to move the ability for waterproof watches to really perform at extreme depths in the 1950s and 1960s. Um, they, um, they basically produced a range of watches that don't look anything like it, uh, a Rolex, um, you know, that you're used to today. You have a fairly large, kind of abnormally shaped um, case on these watches that have um, that have uh, this really extreme dome crystal. And the idea is that this was produced so that um, these watches could go to extreme depths. So. Um, Rolex obviously had multiple iterations of this in the 1950s. 1953 was when they first started testing these and going to sort of extreme depths with these watches. And um, they went all the way to just on, just close to 11,000 meters below sea level, which is something that's fairly, you know, it, it's incredible. Um, it was completed in the Mariana Trench, which is the deepest known point on Earth, which is something that... Um, really it, it, it that type of um, 
accomplishment belongs in a museum, which a lot of these watches, a lot of these, um, obviously Rolex created a couple variations of these watches, but a lot of these are actually in uh, museum, the museum, museums um, to sort of mark the um, incredible feats that humanity actually um, went to. So um, the watch that is auction that is being auctioned is a DC special. This is a um, a museum version uh, of this watch. It was in the Wuppertaler Uhren Museum, which um, it's number thirty five, and um, on the back it actually has an inscription of the the depths that um, that were accomplished by Rolex. It's a forty three millimeter case. Not something that you're probably going to be wearing on your wrist. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would be surprised if someone actually put this on their wrist to wear. It's probably going to be something that you want to collect and hold on to. But this watch has an extremely significant part part to play um, in sort of the history of um, in the history of uh, of Rolex and humanity in general. It's estimated to go between one point two and two point four million Swiss francs. To be honest, the significance of this watch will, I think it sort of clouds the estimate a little bit. You, I really have no idea what to expect from this because there are so many people that could bid on this watch, so many institutions that could bid on this watch, and so it, it's going to be interesting to see what it goes for. For such a significant piece in the history of Rolex, I'm sure it could probably go um, for much more, but we'll have to see. All right, the next um, watch I wanted to talk about, and this is sort of a significant watch for me because of my love for the model and the brand, is um, a very, very special Vacheron Constantin Chocolatone or um, Toledo model. Um, this watch is a watch that I've covered extensively on Life on the Wrist because I it was a watch that I fell in love with very early on in my watch journey. and. I love the history of Vacheron Constantin, the variations of the Toledo. I also think the watch itself is just absolutely beautiful, beautiful stepped case um, in sort of a, a cushion formed sort of shape. Um, it really is something that speaks to me and, and, and something that I, I truly do love. So lot number 167 is this Vacheron Constantin 4737. And um, the 4737 was a watch that was um, that was manufactured by Vacheron Constantin. There were 335 examples of this watch that were produced. It's a um, it's a fairly rare reference within the uh, Chocolatone line of watches. So 335 examples of the 4737. 269 are known to be in yellow gold. 62 are known to be in pink gold, and four are known to be in white gold. So you've got. Uh, different case metals, varying production quantities of these pieces. And I'm sure you're thinking this is probably a white gold version because there's only four of them available. What's really incredible is this is the previously unknown. It's the first ever known example of a 4737 in platinum. I, the significance of this is incredible. You have a very rare reference from Vacheron Constantin and the, the Chocolatone uh, line of watches. You have a very rare um, sort of reference for this, but then you also have only one of one known examples of this watch that were produced in um, in platinum. So for me, this is like a complete you know watch geek moment because it's it's such a significant watch for Vacheron Constantin for the forty seven thirty seven reference um, and the chocolate tone is history. 
I think I did an article about this on, on Life on the Wrist, and what's incredible is I think I call out the fact that the white gold is the most the most rare. Um, so really incredible to, to, to be able to see. This watch was compl- was uh, manufactured in 1956, and what's inc- even even more incredible about this watch is the provenance of this watch. So it was it was uh, manufactured in uh, like I said sold in 1956, and it was sold to a retailer in Madrid from Vacheron Constantin in 1956, and then this ended up um, selling to a to a um, individual whose family kept this watch, and um, the current owner of this watch is the original purchaser of this watch in 1956, which. First off, just to be able to find that is um, such a difficult, um, a difficult thing. Provenance for watches, vintage watches especially, is getting harder and harder to find watches that are which, with their original owner. This watch is obviously with the original family that that uh, purchased this watch. Um, the paperwork that comes with it is just an extract from the Vacheron Constantin archive, so it isn't. Um, complete with box papers, etc., etc. but it does have a um, extract from the archives detailing this. What's kind of incredible is that, you know, the public, the, the sort of theme I want to talk about with this one is the public knowledge of Vacheron Constantin and the 4737 was that there wasn't a platinum version of this watch that was manufactured. But there's an extract from the archives from Vacheron Constantin that shows that there actually is a platinum version of this watch. So it just is sort of mind, you know, mind blowing to me because um, these companies, because of their how how long they've been in business, have so much um, knowledge, obviously, of their brands. Um, but they knew that they, they had paperwork that showed that they made a platinum version of the 4737, but we just didn't know it. Uh, maybe it was the first time that they ended up turning the page and finding the extract uh, in, in their archives of the, the Platinum 4737. So who knows? Um, but that sort of ambiguity is kind of in, an interesting tension within the watch world. This watch is estimated to go between 200,000 and 400,000 Swiss francs. The condition on it is actually fairly good. Um, I, I wasn't, there isn't something that sort of makes me think it's not in good condition. The dial is very, very clean. Case is fairly in good condition. You still have this, the steps on the, on the, uh, on the case, which is uh, iconic um, for, for Vacheron Constantin. Um, such a good looking watch. Uh, such a good-looking watch, and I, it just is is so beautiful. Um, I don't know, 200,000, 400,000, I don't know if that's an accurate representation of what this watch could go for. I think this could go for much more. Um, if you're a Toledo collector, if you're a Vacheron Constantin collector, you're getting a a one-of-one one platinum version of the 4737, which is extremely rare. You're getting a watch from its original owner, so it hits on the provenance side of things that a lot of vintage watch collectors are, are focusing on more. We'll have to see, really. I, I, I don't know much. Um, I don't really know what to what to say. Uh, we're just gonna have to see what it ends up selling for. Um, similar to the to the to the other Rolex that we mentioned. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast. Like I said, there'll be links in the show notes to the watches that we discuss discuss some of the articles that we reference. So be sure to check out the show notes. If you wouldn't mind following this channel, you'll be the first one to to be notified when we do upload. So that'd be great. Also, if you wouldn't mind rating this podcast, it really does help us out and give us some feedback on the things that we should change. 
And with that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and until next time.